You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery. I'm Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. As always, I am honored and privileged to have you here for the next 30 minutes or so. We'll see. I've really got this episode mapped out. And it is one of my resolutions to be more succinct so that I can get you guys the information that you deserve, you desire, you need, want, crave. I don't know. I don't know what it is you feel when you hit play, but I'm so glad that you're here. And after last week's um, Automatic Negative Thoughts episode, Ants, and this is the ongoing series of back to basics, right? So we can go back and start thinking about where we've come from and what it is that we're looking to move toward going into the end of 2020 on to 2021. And when I go back and I think about what it is I knew about sobriety and addiction recovery at the beginning, it really wasn't much, right? And a lot of it was just listening to the old timers, uh, listening to my therapist, just talking to people in general about what life would be like in sobriety and recovery. We all had this feeling that we knew something needed to change. We'd heard the inner voices in our heads. We'd seen our actions and knew that, you know, living a life blurry was not fulfilling us. Finally, something clicked. We heard ourselves say something. Somebody said something to us. And this vibration overtook us. And we stepped in to sobriety. Addiction recovery came later. It always comes later. The idea that life is just going to magically become everything that we had been told it could become or the promises that we desperately desire to be fulfilled, whatever it was, it was going to take time. Now, depending on how hard on yourself you are, like me, I'm very hard on myself, it can be an attribute and it can, do, it can be to my detriment at times. Get that out 10 times fast. Attribute, detriment, attribute, detriment, attribute, detriment. I'll stop at three. I'll stop at three. <laughs> so then I go back to basics, right? Because that's what, that's, that's, it's really me looking at myself in the mirror saying, okay, you've accomplished a great deal. You're still driving yourself hard to accomplish more. But if you forget where you've come from, right, then there's a humility that, that disappears. It dissipates if it's not thought about. I don't need to remember what it's like to wake up on my bedroom floor covered in my own filth or, you know, empty bottles strewn about or, you know, waking up in my bathtub with the shower running on me, ice cold water, pitch black, dark, don't know where I'm at, hoping my car is where it was supposed to be, hoping I didn't lose everything. Like, I don't need to be reminded of all that. I know it. I know it. Like the back of my hand, I know it. Like my old apartment that I just moved out of, I will never forget that room. I lived, I lived in that house for nine years, and I lived in that room for six of them. I will never forget what that room looks like. Just like I won't ever forget my fraternity house room. I won't forget Spanish Trace. I won't forget the landings. Or the, I won't forget Tarragona Court, Allegra Circle. I have images of where I have lived burned into my head, just like I have images of how I behaved while I was a drunken, crazy person for 22 years. 
when we start off, we know we don't know a ton about sobriety and recovery, but we're ready to learn it. So today, to get back to basics, I am going to discuss with you what I was taught as being the four stages of skill learning. What it's also called, if you decide that you want to go Google search this, is the four stages of competence. Either way, this is going to be some super awesome stuff. The motivation you're going to have to to pay attention to what's getting ready to come out is so that you can understand how it is that you learn things. Not your learning style, the why, what, how, what, if, which is how I break, which is how I teach you guys everything. It's that's that 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 is that is the learning style. These are the stages of a learning skill, and it's different. All right. The motivation to know this is that moving forward, when you first take on a new passion, talent, skill, hobby, you'll understand why you don't come out of the gate being amazing at it, right? Obviously, I realize picking up the ukulele that I'm not going to be amazing at it right off the bat, and I have to be very mindful not to get down on myself about that. And understanding how these skills are learned allows me to realize, okay, there is this humongous buffer I must provide myself, not get down on myself, and all I can do is go from C to F, and I can't do it very fast. Another motivation to understand this better and to, to really be able to harness the power of skill learning is just the understanding of it, right? right? The, the, the practice of learning a skill is not the same as understanding how skills are learned. But the beauty of this is that whenever you see other people learning something new, you'll be able to explain to them how competence and how skill learning works so that they don't get down on themselves. Especially whenever you're working with anyone within the addiction recovery community, but let's go back all the way to childhood, right? There is something to be said for watching a child struggle with tying their shoes or learning to walk or making their bed. Driving a car is something that you watch children go from having no clue about into all of a sudden learning to do in, you know, what, 16 years. Baby doesn't know what a car is. All of a sudden they're driving one 16, 17 years later. Competence, and, th- and this is why it's, it's some of the main terms we're going to be using in this episode, um, competence and incompetence. Competence is where someone knows what they're doing and can do it, right? Incompetence, and this is where you've got to be really careful when you start searching on the internet. Because if you come across blogs and, and random things like that, somebody might write down what they consider the definition, but it's not really the definition. I came across a blog where it said incompetence is where someone doesn't know what they're doing um, they're not competent at a task, but they either purport to know how or they believe themselves to be competent in the skill. That's what this blog wrote. But if you go look at the actual definition of incompetent, it says this, the, it, is, it is the inability to do something successfully. Is it, the ineptitude is thrown in there as well, right? But we're not, we're not looking, uh, to me, ineptitude almost, almost is a, I would say like a judgment word, like they're inept. I mean, they're just, they're just not competent. Whereas the competence is the ability to do something successfully or efficiently, okay? These are the two main words that we're, that we're going to be repeating over and over and over again. And this, I'm going to be very mindful that once I start to really pour into this, the amount of times that I say competence and incompetence is going to be, uh, it can be a lot. 
And so I'm going to be very clear that a competence is the ability to do something successfully or, or efficiently, whereas incompetence is the inability to do something successfully. And again, if I click on ineptitude, um, it says this lack of skill or ability. But the reason why I say that's a judgment call is because lack of skill or ability is really, I mean, if I'm comparing myself to a, an amazing ukulele player, then yeah, I lack skill and ability. But if I compare myself to somebody who just picked one up yesterday and I've been playing it now for about seven hours, um, and mind you, I remember I'm trying to learn how to play an ukulele in 20 hours, and it's the sevens are maybe a little bit too much. Let's let's be calm here. I've really just been practicing CNF over and over and over and over again as I watch football because I'm trying to get my fingers used to moving. Point being is that ineptitude sounds like a judgment word because lack of skill or ability is a perspective. Somebody who's never played C or F would might think that I'm blown away. Might be blown away by the fact that I know it's G C E A is the four chords, right? So. Let's just digress and move away from that because I'm not trying to make this sound any more complicated than some people have found it when I've taught it in my classes. How to understand the steps of skill learning, right? Or the four stages of competence is really, there's, there's four steps to it, right? There's four main categories. There's only four categories, right? Milton Erickson, one of the... Godfathers of NLP. Um, he talked a lot about this. This is where I was first introduced to it. And I think that the beauty of this, and again, going back to uh, the motivation, is that fully, well, you know what? Let me, let me not do that. Let me just go into the how and then you'll understand because we already under, we, we're already motivated to, to, to understand this better because I don't want you guys getting frustrated whenever you step into a new talent, passion, skill, or hobby and all of a sudden you just get yourself wound up. There is a psychology behind why humans behave the way they do and you will now know that. We know that competence is being able to do something and incompetence is not being able to do something. That's just the simplest way. Let's not overcomplicate things, right? I'm here to make psychology more of a layman experience because <laughs> I Google some stuff and I get inside my NLP books once in a while and I'm like, what in the hell are these people talking about? I learned quantum linguistics one day and I lost it in the middle of the class because everyone acted like they knew what the hell was going on. And I just looked around like, no, no, none of those words those people just used made any sense at all. So I strive to make sure that my words make sense. So the four stages of skill learning, the four stages of competence, all right, they are as follows, and they're beautiful. And it's really something to enjoy learning. And I, I absolutely just love bringing topics like this to you all. So there's four stages. It's unconscious incompetence, all right, where you aren't aware that you don't know how to do something. There's conscious incompetence, where you are now aware of something, but you still don't know how to do it. Then there's conscious competence, where not only are you aware of something, but now you sort of kind of know how to do it. And then there's unconscious competence, where you don't even have to try to do it. You have turned it into an unconscious behavior. Now, when I was taught this, I was taught this based on the idea of a child driving. And this is why I referenced that earlier, because I knew I was going to foreshadow it and bring it back. When there's a child, when you're a baby, you do not know that you don't know how to drive. You don't even know driving is a thing. For the first few years of your life, you, just, you, you may not even be conscious that, that cars exist. 
you're a toddler, you're in a carriage, you just right, you're just you're looking around like what the hell's going on? What this how do I pronounce the color red and blue? <laughs> right, at a certain age, right, you start walking, you start talking, you realize what you realize what the word car is, you know getting in a car means you go somewhere. Now, you are consciously incompetent. You know what a car is. You know, you may even know how to pronounce the word driving. You see it happening, but you have no clue how to do it. That goes on for quite some time until you start to take a driving class and then you become consciously competent. You know how to drive, but you have to put a lot of thought into it. When you're putting a lot of thought into it, right, this is, this is those student drivers. This is where you don't want to be distracted. This is where you want to be fully focused and paying attention. At some point, it can become unconscious where you're just so good at driving that you don't even have to think about it. You can trance out and you just arrive at work or school or wherever you happen to be heading toward and you're just there. You're not even really sure how you got there. I do this all the time. I'm sure you guys have done this as well. You're driving and like, yeah, there's crazy traffic and you're listening to the podcast and you're going about and when you see brake lights, you stop. When you see cars slowing down, you stop. When you see them going faster, you go faster. It becomes an unconscious behavior. This is why accidents can be so mind-blowing because we get in this unconscious competence and we're just sort of just there. We have no clue. And then all of a sudden it happens, an accident, and then we're just completely shocked. Right? We may not even remember how the whole thing happened. Now, what I love about this is just knowing this allows you to just be patient with yourself as you're taking something on, right? These four stages that that is, you know, and what did I find? I found this on the on the Google. Four, these four stages suggest that individuals are initially unaware of how little they know or unconscious of their incompetence. As they recognize their incompetence, they consciously acquire a skill, then consciously use it. Eventually, the skill can be utilized without it being consciously thought through. The individual is said to have then acquired unconscious competence. Where I saw this in my life was whenever I became a waiter. At 22 years old, leaving wet and wild, going to Friday's Front Row Sports Bar and Grill on the corner of I Drive and Sand Lake in Orlando, Florida, just you know, half a mile away from uh, Wet and Wild and Universal Studios, a couple miles away from SeaWorld, just a few more miles, and there was Disney World. All right, I was leaving my house. I used to live on Sand Lake Road, and I was going to either go left and stop at the first restaurant I saw, or I was going to go right and, so, and stop at the first restaurant I saw. Never forget, the reason I chose to go right was because I thought, I don't want to have to wait at this light to turn left every single time I want to go to work. So I turned right. The very first restaurant I saw was a gigantic sports bar, two stories tall, called Friday's Front Row Sports Bar and Grill. Had never walked inside that place in my entire life. Didn't even know it was there. And I had lived half a mile, a quarter of a mile away from it for two years. Walked in there. I'll never forget the manager, Dave, on duty that day. He was so excited about my enthusiasm for, for, for becoming a waiter and doing an amazing job. He didn't even make me be a busser. He even said, normally we hire people to be bussers, but we're going to move you straight to waiter. I just love your energy and enthusiasm. You'll pick this up. We'll figure it out. Don't even worry about it. Up until then, I'd, you know, I was, when I was a little kid, you know, you're unconsciously incompetent about being a waiter. 
right? After a while, you go to enough restaurants, you become consciously incompetent. You see it happening, right? But you don't know how to do that skill. I had lived that life all the way till 22 when I got hired that day. And because I just always knew that if I moved faster than anyone else, not only could I have more tables, but if I made any errors, and I made quite a few, I, that I could figure out a way to talk myself out of them, right? Talk my way out of the, the, the patron being angry, or um, I could just move faster and make up for it. And within six months, I was one of the head waiters there. I was working in the smoking section called The Ring. I'll never forget, Shireen was my shift leader all the time. I guess that's what they called us back then, shift leaders, not head waiters. And so then I went to consciously competent. And I spent a good amount of time in that zone until I'd say probably about a year or two where it was just effortless. I could come in. I mean, it was probably effortless six months in, but it really became effortless like a year in. And I was, and this is where my alcoholism and drug addiction super took over. So I just, I turned everything into a habit. Everything became a, a process. So I could literally go in there no matter how hungover I was. I knew how to, t- I, I was going to greet the table the same way. I had like the same 20 punchlines for all the jokes. If they said anything, I already had an answer built in, right? It became this unconscious competence. When I later on went became a bartender, I had to step back and go back to consci- go back to consciously competent until I figured out how to be a great bartender. And now I'm just really great at being a bartender and being a waiter. I have lived in this unconscious competence section of it for years and years and years now. When I got sober and decided that it was time to do something amazing with my life, and I started looking back at all of the the passions, talents, skills, hobby, the college education, I thought to myself, how can I use my broadcast journalism degree and what is going on in the industry now in the world that I can start to utilize what I have been doing, but only half-assing it because I was wasted all the time. Naturally, podcasting and shooting YouTube videos and all this other stuff came about I'd always been told that I was really great at giving tips and advice as a bartender and a waiter. Right? People genuinely asked me my opinion and wanted, wanted some help with things. They would come to me. And so I started looking into the idea of what it would be like to coach people in sobriety and recovery. Because I took on to it and I read tons of books and I felt so confident. But it wasn't even that I, wanted, I, wasn't want, I didn't want to coach somebody in sobriety and how to become sober, and how to, right? It's like, I wanted to talk with people who are in addiction recovery, who are ready to do amazing stuff. Because after about six months, I had already gobbled up so much information about NLP, and leadership training, and executive coaching, and all this other stuff. I was just like, well, this is great, right? I love helping people. I definitely love talking. (laughs) I hadn't quite yet learned the skill of listening yet, Right, I was consciously competent about how to listen. Now it's very unconsciously competent. And I tell you all of this because I want you to notice areas in your life where you might be hard on yourself because you are just now getting into going from the consciously, comp- the, the, let's see, we have the unconscious incompetence into conscious incompetence, into conscious competence, into unconscious competence. See, I told you I was going to say incompetence and competence a lot. It sounds like a tongue twister. How you use this in your life is that you realize that 
I mean, in this day and age, there's probably not much that we don't already at least have some general knowledge of. So go, to go unconscious and you know, unconscious incompetence on something where you don't necessarily understand or know how to do something doesn't even necessarily recognize that it even exists, right? That it's even there. You may not even think that the, the skill is necessarily useful, right? So you, you see other people doing things and you're just like, whatever, right? It does, that, that's not important to me. In many ways, that's how sobriety was. We saw it happening all around us and we just thought, that's not, that's not how I want to do things, right? You had to understand the value of picking up this new skill. And sobriety is a skill. It is a freaking skill. It is a lifestyle change. It is a massive lifestyle change, no, no doubt. But it is a skill to pick up because there is an art to maneuvering around this world, this society, not imbibing, not getting high, and not getting drunk. Right, when you went into conscious comp- incompetence about sobriety, this is when you stepped in that first day. Right, you may not understand all, you may not have a clue about how the next hour is going to go, let alone the next day, week, month, or year. Right, but you've recognized that it's time that you learn. You see the value in sobriety. You see the value in picking up this new way of life. You address it as this perceived deficit. Because you see other people living their lives doing extremely well. And they're doing it sober. Right? This is where, you know, the making of mistakes. This is where you're flying off the handle, getting angry, using emotions the incorrect way. You know, this is where you're just, you're just picking it up. You're just learning it. This is why if you have any kind of children in your life, if you have anybody who is at an impressionable age, or you're, you're helping one of your other friends, or you are a parent, a teacher, a preacher, you're somebody out there, and you're watching somebody go through this, this learning process, that it's extremely important that you understand that the act of making errors is one of the most beautiful aspects of learning that humans have to them. Right? The, it's the, in the act of making an error that doing it a different, better way is actually implanted at a deep, unconscious level. If you're constantly just throwing touchdowns all the time, then you don't even realize what the sadness of throwing an interception that costs your team the game is. you got to throw those interceptions that cost your team the game. you got to screw up. And you want it to screw up. You want it to be such a colossal screw-up that you forever remember, don't do it that way. When you move into conscious competence, Right? Then you begin to understand and know something better. Right? You're still not tremendous at it, at it. It's like me with the ukulele. I still have to look down. I will have to look down. I'm no doubt for quite some time, I will have to look down at the strings and make sure that my fingers are going in the right place. When I see a musician who just, you know, Trey Anastasio or John Mayer, you know, Phil Lesh, Bob Weir, you know, just to name a few of my faves, you know, and I, I mean, you sit there and you just watch and they're just shredding it, right? You know, you think about the dude who leads Blues Travelers and how he's sitting over there jamming out on a guitar, simultaneously wailing on a harmonica. Elton John's flinging around, you know, Billy Joel, Elton John are flinging around their heads as they just pound out the ivories, right? I mean, there's years and years and years for them to be able to look away from the instrument and still be able to play it at a magnificent level. Right? This is where, when you become consciously competent, you can start actually breaking things down into a deeper understanding of the steps. 
this is going to be so useful because as you go to start learning new things, it's, 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 and honestly, it's the conscious incompetence to the conscious competence where people often just get so dejected by their lack of ability to pick something up that they walk away from it. And this is why I wanted to talk about this today. Because when we're getting back to basics, and we're going back to the feeling that we had when we first stepped into one of these meetings and we listened to what other people said, and we saw the dichotomy of people around us, and we really visualized what a life of sobriety and addiction recovery could be. We had this internal language that you said to ourselves, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to rock it the hell out. Even if there was doubt that you felt, you still stepped into it and said, I am going to do this. I'm going to rock this out. So when you go from consciously incompetent where you're just picking something up and you're literally just trying to move and move your fingers around the neck of, of a, an instrument or you're just trying to go out and drive or you're trying to have a relationship that's healthy with positive communication. This is where being vulnerable and opening up about where you're at in your life is so integral to your process of healing. If you try to dodge the sticky questions, if you try not to have the uncomfortable conversations, then you don't get a chance to make those errors. When you don't make errors, you don't start to see better ways to do something. Right? You can break down communication into steps. I have done it for you in this show. I do it whenever I teach seminars and workshops. I believe everything, to a certain extent, can be broken down into steps in a process. Because if it can be habituated, if it can be turned into a habit, then there are steps. Just like the act of being triggered to smoke a cigarette, if you really looked at what it was, and in a book by Alan Carr called The Easy Way to Stop Smoking, he discusses how How can a cigarette simultaneously help you when you want to relax, help you when you're stressed, help you when you're happy, and help you when you're sad? How can one item do all four things? But those become the trigger processes that that we start to use to habituate it to ourselves. And then after a while, we don't even think about it. And then when we're done eating or we're done having sex or we get stressed or something good happens, man, we've got to have a smoke. It's because it got habituated. It turned into a step-by-step process. We didn't know the steps were happening. It was unconscious, and that's where unconscious competence comes in. Where you could be super wasted, and no matter what, you could light a cigarette. Now, I had been tripping on some shit before and letting a couple damn cigarettes backwards. And that's when you know maybe you should go home. (laughs) But it's of the utmost importance that you realize that if something can be habituated, then it can be broken down into steps. And therefore, it can be learned better. Just like eating healthier can be learned better. You can set off triggers to start eating broccoli instead of potato chips. You can set off a trigger that allows you to know it's time to go run rather than sit on the couch and watch television. When you first start running or doing some kind of exercise, there's a conscious incompetence. You don't have a pattern established. You don't know what movements to do in order to build the right muscle. You don't know what your heart rate needs to be at in order to burn fat versus increasing your cardiovascular strength. There's all of these different things, right? That just You're incompetent. You just don't understand them yet. But it doesn't mean that you won't. It just means that you don't now. And at the heart of this entire skill learning process of the, of the stages of competence is the idea of a growth mindset. Growth mindset, growth mindset. It is developing a growth mindset 
that kicks off my college success habits book. It is developing a growth mindset that is at the pinnacle, it is at the epicenter of everything that I talk about. Because if you have a growth mindset around the idea that you can figure out anything, you can learn anything, you can do anything if you just prioritize it and you put in the effort. It's within these four steps of skill learning, the conscious incompetence and conscious competence, step two and three, this is where the develop, development of a growth mindset needs to be at its highest. If you try to bypass the amount of time it's going to take to pick up something new and be nice on yourself and not get yourself fixed, that that you perceive yourself as stupid or unable to do things or you've never been a winner or your, your parents didn't teach you that or your parents never accomplished that. If you go into it with any of these limiting beliefs, you will get yourself so bogged down with the BS in your brain that you will stop at conscious incompetence and walk away thinking, I tried, but I was never going to figure that out anyways. Bull! If you had no choice but to learn a certain skill in order to survive the zombie apocalypse or be eaten to death by zombies, you'd figure it out. And at some point, you'd be able to get into a flow with it and it'd become an unconscious competence where you have so much skill, it's just become second nature. For many of us, here's the, here's, the, here's the bummer of this, is this works with negative things in our lives just as much as it works with positive things in our lives. Communicating erratically, being emotionally triggered and getting mad at people over things that they don't, wanna, that they don't agree with you on. Yelling at your kids, yelling at your spouse, getting frustrated at work, flipping off the car next to you when they cop when they cut you off, all of these things like the, it, it isn't the act of flipping someone off that has become unconsciously competent for you. <laughs> it is your behavior when you get emotionally triggered that becomes the issue that becomes the part where you need to start diving inward and figuring out why it is that you behave a certain way. In the process of learning new ways of communicating, new ways of living, new ways of being, we have to be gentle on ourselves when we go back to that stage of conscious incompetence and we really start to make the mistakes that, 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 that are truly the foundation of any learning process. I remind myself of this all the time when I don't communicate effectively with my girlfriend, when I, don't, when I don't tell my dad that I'm disappointed in the way that we communicate, whenever I don't call a friend or whenever I don't reach out. When it comes to my career, I mean, I'm bonkers making mistakes. I, I want to launch this and launch that, and I'm trying to juggle 10 things in a row, and I don't, I don't respond to people on Instagram as fast as they'd like, and I don't get to respond to the emails, and next thing I know, I forgot to post something on the Facebook group, and I haven't posted anything on Instagram, and oh my God, I, did, I moved all of my belongings from Hollywood to Santa Clarita, and I forgot all about taking pictures of the whole process and social medializing it, because I just got so in my world, I was like, I just must move, I must go. There's still a conscious competence around how to use social media. Now, a nine-year-old might be just completely unconsciously incompetent or consciously com- unconsciously competent, where they can literally be shooting videos and doing all their things, and they're still just moving about their life. I have to literally stop myself and say, I need to do something with this. This is a really cool social media moment. I was, again... You know, I know I'm, I'm bringing up some of these very random things, but it's what's 
I'm trying to connect with you on how this has worked for me is I just I'm not going to get my I'm not going to get myself mad over things that I just haven't quite figured out. Honestly, I love social media and the way that it allows me to reach out and, and communicate with everyone, just like I'm sure you've been able to utilize that in your life as well. But there becomes a point where it's like, okay, what is it that I want to be doing right now besides social media? What is it what I want to be doing right now um, besides you know, sitting down on the couch and watching television? Right, I got a I got a slew of books that I've read that I want to talk about, or I got a slew of books I want to read so I can talk about. I've got podcasts to shoot, I've got uh, real estate seminars to put up, I've got this communication summit that's coming up. I'm going to be bringing Danny back on. We're going to talk to you guys about that so we can help you really be able to to swim through this this sea of peril that's coming up with the holidays and all these hot button issues coming up. We've got an entire communication summit running from the ninth through the fourteenth. Six straight days, two hours. It's, it basically starts at 10 a.m. and goes to 12:30. You have recordings. It's 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 a complimentary ticket for all my listeners. It, it, it's it's amazing, right? But we're putting this together because we realize that there's a lot of people out there who are just consciously incompetent about how to communicate in a manner that won't cause divisiveness in their own house. You don't want to walk away from a situation angry with someone just because you didn't know the right way to respond to them disagreeing with you. At some point, there is an unconscious competence to communicating with certain people in your life. But most of the time, you are going to be swimming in a sea of conscious competence when it comes to communicating with people. You just won't fully know what the best thing to say to them is, and that's just human nature. But the beauty of it is, is because now that you know why this is important, so that you can see where in unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence grows, right? Now you can know, okay, I'm in conscious incompetence moving toward conscious competence. And I'm going to be spending a lot of time there. And it's okay if I make mistakes. And it's okay if I break it down into a 17-step process. As long as I'm putting forth the effort and I'm embodying tenaciousness, principle number seven, and I'm showing up every single day as the best version of myself. Unconscious competence from most things that we do in life may never come. And that is okay. There are even times where I have to pull driving out from the unconscious and put it into the conscious mind because traffic is chaotic. Music needs to get turned down. No more talking on the phone with those with the little Bluetooth speakers in the car. It's time to turn this thing into consciousness. There is a flow that can happen in life while you're while you're while you're going from the conscious to the unconscious competence that is pure, it's just purely beautiful. And when you get to a stage in your sobriety and addiction recovery where each day isn't a thought about I hope I don't drink or each day there isn't this little ping of craving or each day there isn't a thought about what life would be like or could be like if you could just have one more. That's a flow state that you move into with addiction recovery, that it exists. There will be weeks on end where it does not even occur to me that I don't drink anymore. I am just living my life. I won't go to a bar. There will just be no alcohol around me. And it won't be like I'll get done with the day and I'll sit on the couch and be like, boy, I really wish I could have a beer. When I crack open a soda water, if there's ever a moment in my day that I might be reminded that I used to drink like a fish, it's doing that because I drink a ton of soda water now because I love the little bubbles. I love the bubbles. And I'll leave you here on this. 
it does it doesn't matter if every single day for the rest of your life you think about how you used to behave or what you used to do. You are consciously competent about what it is that you are doing with your life. The moment you step into that very first meeting, the moment you say, hi, my name is, and I am an alcoholic, the moment, whatever it is that you said on that very first meeting that you ever went to, you stepped out of this unconscious incompetence where you didn't even care to learn this skill, and you stepped into consciously incompetent, where you said, I am going to figure this out, and no doubt, I am ready to make some mistakes. That doesn't mean relapse. That can just simply mean that you have an emotionally triggered moment. You have a freak out. You have a super deep craving and you have to go hide in your room. You you don't leave your house for a month and you just stay at home because you don't want to be any social occasion, right? That might trigger you. Whatever that looked like for you, you know, you fully understand this stuff now. I've talked about it for over 35 minutes. When you got into consciously competent is when you were able to fully start harnessing the, the ticks, the tricks and skills, the ticks, Uh, maybe, the tricks and skills that you've learned from everybody else around you to fully embrace the idea of sobriety. There will be hours or minutes or days or weeks or months where you will just go into an unconscious competence on sobriety. You'll just be flowing with life and it won't even occur to you that there's ever been anything, any other way to live. And you might get snapped back into the conscious competence of it. You might get a craving. You might get triggered. You might see somebody drinking your favorite drink. And the beauty of it is that now you understand that these are the four stages of learning any skill. And sobriety to addiction recovery is a skill. It it can be habituated just as much as using can. Therefore, Therefore, it is a habit. Therefore, it is learnable just like any other skill. There will be days when you flow and there will be days when you go slow. The important thing is that you know this is what's happening. And you don't see the little bump in the road, the little hiccup, as anything more than just a, a learning opportunity. There is no failure. There's only feedback. Thank you guys so much for just being a part of this community and just vibing with the kind of stuff that I bring to you. This is from what I have listened to other shows and from what I have gained from uh, people who have reached out to me, unlike any other show in the realm of the sobriety and addiction recovery community, it is my intention to just expand our awareness of life, of what we can accomplish in this life. And by goodness gracious, I swear to you, one day I will accomplish finishing an episode right at 30 minutes. (laughs) I swear I will. I swear I will. I promise sometime soon. Next one. Maybe not. I don't know. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, energy, release and flow. Be amazing to one another. Be blessed. Have a beautiful day. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. 